not usually are we recording in the morning and not usually are we doing a movie that has a very famous song about it being morning. So <laughs> I guess I'll say good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, uh, we haven't stayed up late or talked the whole night through. We, we recently, I recently woke up and came upstairs and set up the microphones <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thanks for venturing out on this pretty gross morning. Oh, and, uh, happy to be here. Good. So, um, as you know, I don't know how to start the podcast yet. So it'll either be talking about, you know, the weather and the song from the movie we're doing or something along the lines of welcome to late the movies. My name is Ben Holt. And this is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, continuing our month on the recently released decennial, I figured out that is the word for every 10 years, sight and sound top 100 greatest films of all time list. Coming in at number 10, though our second episode of the month, it's Singing in the Rain from 1952. Your guest this week, I usually say left to right across your podcast dial, but this is a 1v1 episode. Martha's here. Hey, Martha. Hi. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Happy to be here. My rhythm's usually at least two people, so I'm all off now. It's fine. Um, hi, hi. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Um, okay. Well, before we get into this movie, um, let's talk just about... Last episode, I said, since we're recording this right around New Year's, instead of just something good you've watched recently, if there's anything from the last year you want to make make sure that, like, ooh, I really like this. Anything anything at all you want to oh, talk about. Geez, um, it doesn't have to be your favorite thing from the last year. No, that's okay. I, just opening it up. If you've watched anything good recently or within the last, at this point, I guess, 368 days. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, what was the name of that show I really loved? The Offer. Oh. Uh, which I actually think I talked about the last time I was on your podcast because I just happened to finish yeah. it when we were talking about E.T. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think the offer was my favorite thing I watched this year. Okay. Loved it. And if, for those who don't know, it's about the making of The Godfather. Yeah. I think that got um, a mixed reaction. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. So, you know, grain of salt on that oh, end. But, so but you liked it. I loved it. Great. It um kind of had a little bit of like the Mad Men theme like feeling to it um don't, definitely not as gritty and but I thought it was um and I thought it was kind of a, like a quick and easy thing to watch too that's that's what you need sometimes for sure yeah. I think Miles Teller's in it yeah right? okay cool I like him yeah I know it was He's having a, he had an interesting year between that and Top Gun Maverick so yeah yeah so I don't know I think that's there were a few other things I watched what else did I watch well, the very beginning of 2022, Derek and I were watching um, Ted Lasso. We oh, were like sure, catching up yeah. on Ted Lasso, which I know is kind of old news for some people, but um, we can take a more retrospective bent to this section. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, we fin we finally finished Ted Lasso in, in January of last year and loved that. Um, extremely relevant to today's movie, I went to see Damien Chazelle's new film Babylon currently bombing in a theater near you and uh well maybe not by the time this episode comes out in a few days um i loved it i could see why people don't and it is extremely indebted to is putting it probably too lightly the film singing in the rain which i didn't actually i knew the premise of babylon was very much um 
like a play on singing in the rain. I didn't realize the literal, literally singing in the rain is in the movie multiple times. So, um, I heard that there was like a lot of shout outs in <laughs> Babylon. Is that the one that's with Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt is first build, but probably the third most prominent character in it. Interesting. So, okay. He might have produced it, which is maybe why he's first build, but Margot Robbie produces a lot of her own stuff too. So I don't know. Anyway, um, I thought Brad Pitt was good in it, but it's not really his movie. More belongs to uh, Diego Calva, who I haven't seen anything before, and Margot Robbie. Hmm. I thought they were great. I thought the movie was great. I don't know. What are the mixed reactions to it? Um, that it's too long and not good. <laughs> oh, brutal. Uh, however, <laughs> I feel like it isn't too long and I liked it. So <laughs> whatever. Oh, I really want to see it. It's funny. I feel like that and the Fablemans and uh, to a lesser extent, there's a new Sam Mendes film called Empire of Light that are all being tagged with like the, oh, it's just, you know, Hollywood types making movies about how great Hollywood is. And um, I, I think... To, to an extent, the Fablemans, and then definitely in this movie, just people who say that clearly haven't seen these movies because um, the Babylon, at least, is extremely, like, I guess, anti-Hollywood movie. I don't know. Hmm. Pro-film, but anti-Hollywood. I think I heard someone on a different podcast smarter than me say, and I kind of come down on that side, too, because it's, you know, about <laughs> how exploitative and terrible everything was. And, you know, it's still like that, I guess, is the implication. Hmm. But on the other hand, it gave us fun movies. I don't know. It's really, it's so weird. A lot of bodily fluids in a film that people think is just about how nice Hollywood is. Oh, geez. (laughs) All right. Let's get into the movie that that movie is basically about. 1952, Singing in the Rain. I've seen this a bunch of times, and it is one of my favorite movies. How about you? I Yep, so um, I've never seen it first time, and I was so mad at myself that I did not see it before. So we we did Citizen Kane last week, and and this week I think even more to an extent, it's just such an easy watch. It's not at all homework, and you think this movie is um, it'll turn seventy one this year, wow! But it doesn't feel that old. I feel like even the comedy is pretty. If it's not the only parts that feel out of date are out of date, like dad jokes are out of date, yeah. not like a 70 year old joke you might think is out of date. Yeah. And it was probably one of the first movies from that generation that I actually laughed out loud mm-hmm. Um, where, yeah, like everything was refreshing almost. Like even, even the choreography was just very fresh. And uh, I was like, oh, that's something uh, I would see today. Why don't they do this anymore? Yeah. Um, I think there's a joke early on where it's at the first premiere they go to before the Lena Lamont character is even spoken, where um, they're showing shots of the crowd watching the movie. And one girl says, oh, she's so beautiful. I think I'll just kill myself, which is like a joke that would be in a movie today. That's like the, that's the kind of humor that exists like online today. Yep. Um, you know, maybe more so like five years ago, but certainly not 70 right. when, when you're thinking about like you know, the arc of time and comedy. Totally. Totally. Uh, So funny. And yeah, the, the, so the movie is great. I think I'm glad you liked it too, because there's only us here and Koji can't talk. So Um, Koji. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. Um, do you want to give us a one minute plot summary? Yeah. Well, you don't have to, if you don't want, no, I'll, I'll attempt it. I'll attempt it. I don't know how far I'm going to get in a minute, but just tell me when I reached a minute. Um, 
Okay, so Don Lockwood is a very popular silent movie star who started started out as a singer and dancer in vaudeville, became stuntman, and then eventually became a star. Um, him and his leading lady, Lena Lamont, um, are in a ton of silent movies together. The, the company uh, pretends that they're a couple. They're really not. Anyway, so they're in a movie called The Dueling Cavalier, and... Um, the jazz singer before that just became the first talking film. They decided to 30 make- 30 seconds. What's that? 30 seconds. Dang it. <laughs> and uh, it, the Dueling Cavalier became a talking film uh, at the premiere. It didn't go well. So Don decided to make it into a musical. And with the help of his girlfriend, Kathy Selden, she actually um, becomes the voice for Lena Lamont, who has a terrible singing voice. Uh, and- um, 10 seconds. She want, is going to become a star. Lena doesn't want her to become a star, but then eventually it all comes out in the end that Kathy is the real singer and voice, and it, it is a happy ending where they became, they created the next film, which is Singing in the Rain. Yeah, it's not like a very suspenseful or like, you know, you don't feel like anyone's ever really in danger of losing their career. It's pretty lighthearted, but still, I don't know. There's just some magic about this movie. When when you think about like the movies, this is always part of any kind of montage. And, yeah, and it was know. also the it was also the first movie where there was really no like big love story. Like there was the love story between Don and Kathy, but it yeah, wasn't like there were huge stakes in resolved. it. Like yeah, in the first half of the movie, they're like we're just gonna be together now, and and it's not a there's big not deal. Like, yeah, there's not like an eleventh hour. There's there's sort of a feint at it for a minute where she thinks that he's betraying her right at the end, but, and, but then it's immediate yeah is immediately shown that he was just like doing a bit right so you know it's totally uh, just a just an easy watch <laughs> yeah the easiest like what is it like a minute and forty minute uh, an hour and forty minutes yeah it's, yeah right about that yeah um yeah. No, I thought it was really fresh. It was actually the first movie I've seen with Gene Kelly. Oh, wow, yeah. Which is, um, I mean, Gene Kelly is a huge yeah. uh, dancer, and uh, I feel like it's always him versus Fred Astaire as, like, who was the better dancer back then. Mm. But watching Gene Kelly in this, it's, like, just completely different yeah, than yeah. Fred Astaire. So it was actually really great to see Gene Kelly do his thing. Yeah, and this is... I mean, it's probably the signature thing for him. I mean, he's he's prepping American in Paris right before he does this. But then this is just, I mean, you know, it's the thing. It's Well, uh, his career is interesting because he was on, he was on Broadway and then I think he was working with MGM Studios mm -hmm. and they kind of owned him. Yep. And so he had to turn down some incredible roles um, that, uh, I think that would have even shot his career further along, but Probably, yeah. um, it just didn't work out for him. So his career is kind of interesting to follow. So yeah, I definitely yeah. feel like this was the peak. And that's, I mean, this is a 1952 movie set in the late 20s. So I guess it's a, technically a period piece for like 25 years before that. I don't know what happened 25 years ago in our lifetimes that would be as seismic event as movies getting sound. <laughs> But, um, so 1998 now, uh, what happened then? We were all still watching God. Titanic that had just come out the December before. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Maybe. can make a movie about how much everyone liked Titanic, I guess. 
Um, you can tell that movies are my frame. For meet Joe Black. Meet that Joe wouldn't Black. have been like a big no, one. So what, uh, just like culturally, like a big shift. I don't know. People started getting internet more, but a lot of it was still dial up. Yeah. Um, Mulan. <laughs> yeah, everyone went to see Mulan. Um, oh, you know, Shakespeare in Love, Saving Private Ryan, sure, sure, Truman yeah. Show. So there were some like really amazing dramas that I came think, out at that point. I don't think any of those had quite the leap from not sound to sound. Though. No. <laughs> eh, no. whatever. I mean, Shakespeare in Love is Gwyneth Paltrow. Maybe that's the same thing. Ben, ben, uh, ben Affleck's in it doing a British accent. Yeah. So same, I mean, worth seeing. Same thing. <laughs> as, seeing. as culturally important. So yeah, this movie and and I never have a true you know bifurcation of talking about the context or the actual text of the movie. But um, one of the fun things that I just want to say before I forget, you mentioned MGM. So Arthur Freed, the Freed Unit, they did most of MGM's big musicals, <clears throat> and this movie came about because he wanted to make a new movie musical featuring songs that he and his partners had already written. <laughs> Um, for their big mus movie musicals from the late 20s and 30s. So most of the songs in this movie are from other movies from the, the mostly the 30s. Um, they write, I think, Make Them Laugh is technically an original song, though is uh, very much in common with other songs. Mm. And then uh, Moses Supposes, I think, is like fully original to this movie. And, every and everything else is... Songs that were already popular. Singing in the Rain is hugely popular already. Um, was it pop? Yeah, it was. It wasn't popular because of Gene Kelly. It was popular before that. Yeah, yeah. There's like a Hollywood review that Singing in the Rain is like the featured song. That's right. And, um, it's just like this. I mean, the Gene Kelly version in this is the definitive Singing in the Rain at yeah. this point. But it was already a popular song for a couple decades before this movie came out. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's basically like Moulin Rouge, I guess, on the day. It's yeah. just a jukebox musical, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that um and I thought that um it's funny, I didn't expect the numbers to be as long as they were. I feel like uh at least like in Moulin Rouge, like each song was probably like, I don't know, like two minutes and under, and these we're going for like six or seven minutes. It was like yeah. a full production in each number. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to the dance sequences too. Yeah. So that takes up almost a third of the, each song, pretty much. Totally. Yeah, there were there were moments in uh, that I was kind of like, wait, is this like the the visual for the movie he's talking about, or is this part of the film? Like, so it, it's like <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, where are we right now? So that the, so that's the Broadway rhythm, Broadway melody section yes. is especially like that. That's like, oh, here's an excuse that they could put Sid Charisse on the poster because no speaking lines and only in this like quasi dream sequence of yeah. Don in the character Gene Kelly's character Don explaining a sequence from the movie that they're going to make to the other guys. And it goes on for about what? 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And then it goes back to the room and he's like, so that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and it's like, so funny. I was, I had to go back. I had to go back and like before that sequence to be like, where did we leave off right yeah. now? Um, but yeah, it really just felt like, and I mean, part of it was like, well, they had already written those songs. Um, they, uh, so when I say a lot of these songs already exist, I mean, they rearrange and do some different, it's sort of like mashup versions in, that for some of the songs in this movie. 
Um, and I think that's like Broadway melody and Broadway rhythm are two different songs from, and then they smash them together and they put in sort of like the dance ballet section in the middle. Anyway, that section's incredible. Cause it's just like, uh, um, we don't know how to fit this in, but we want to do this and we think it's going to look great. And so they're just like, so for 10 minutes, just like, yeah, we're just going to do this thing. It kind of is great. It's so cool. It is. It kind of actually reminded me of, um, watching white Christmas a little bit when they do in the middle of white Christmas, they're like prepping for the big Christmas number for the big Christmas show. Um, and all of a sudden it's like this 10 minute Broadway scene and you're like, wait a minute, what am I watching right now? And it just, it, it just reminded me of that, of like, it transported you to a completely different place just to like be enthralled in this huge Broadway number. And for that time period, I was, it was pretty magical to watch. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, yes, it's it's so good. They get to, it's just such an L.A. movie that for there to be like this, yes. really like the definitive Broadway in movie musical section to come in just like this one nook of this, such an L.A. movie is, is really- like La La Land was probably like looking at movies like mm-hmm. this. Well, certainly, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Damien Chazelle, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So that's oh god. It's uh it's pretty incredible. It's it's so good this movie. We well, let's talk about the actual plot though. So, um I watched this with my sister and my mom last night and neither of them had seen it before. It's like um but that well they're at work now. So <laughs> dang it. Um but yeah, for the first like 5 minutes they're like, "Does she not speak the whole movie?" talking about <laughs> like Lena and then I'm like, "Just wait." And uh, that's one one of the great comic beats in i guess movie history is she has that terrible voice <laughs> that i and so i i went in not reading any synopsis for this i just wanted to see like yeah. what it would be so when don kept pulling her um when they're both on stage and he kept pulling her away from like trying to talk i was like what an a-hole what is he doing let the woman talk and then all of a sudden she starts talking after and you're like wow i my ears are destroyed right now that is a horrible sounding voice yeah that's oh man it's so good that the whole opening bit is really solid too where he's dignity always dignity and telling his life story and it's showing you what's actually happening yeah and talking about how refined his upbringing was and it shows him and cosmo just like in a pool (laughs) all dancing for coins and yeah yeah, like the contradictions were, I thought were really clever, which also led me to think that this was going to be a movie about Don being a jerk the whole time and like lying to the world about who he really is. I was like, where is this going? But um, yeah, I was really, in- and I actually really liked that they didn't go in that direction. Of It was very, a very clever way of just saying like, no, this is how his life really was while he's telling the world what he what he thinks the world should hear. And like, then, then they leave it alone. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of our last episode with Citizen Kane. We were talking about, you know, the, uh, the critique of how powerful people get to shape history essentially. And like this it felt like that too, but obviously it's more lighthearted. Um, it's, it's not affecting lives or starting wars because he has this sort of self myth, self mythologizing, but it's just interesting that there is self mythologizing with the central characters in these films. Um, and yeah, it's just, it just starts going and it goes. And over that is the, uh, fit is a fiddle song that they do, which is just great. Yeah. Um, vaudeville fun stuff. It's, you know, 
Even that's supposed to be hokey and very cornball, but it's still like so impressive, all of it. It was so impressive. And it was actually funny. Um, I texted Ben. I was watching the movie last night when my kids were around and my daughter, who's two, just was totally enthralled with that particular scene. She couldn't keep, she couldn't not stop watching it. Um, that's great. <laughs> which for like a two-year-old watching an adult film, like I know it's a lighthearted film, but still an adult film. It was, I was like, wow. Like this movie actually caught her attention and that scene in particular was just so impressive um, to see them just, just to see them jumping around playing the fiddle and being perfect with their dancing. It's like, it just showed you how much um, like how athletic they are. And you don't, it was really great to highlight that dancers are athletes in what they do and performers can be athletes too. So I was, I was here for that. Yeah. And it was, um, I, I it's a really cool way to start and just sort of like blow you away with like this bit's going to be played for comedy, but you're still going to find it really impressive. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to look at it from like, I don't know how people in the fifties felt about that. And they were obviously more used to seeing their stars doing like virtuosic movement on screen than we are, but it's, you know, so like, whoa, this is a whole different visual language yeah. when you're watching it now. Well, I actually think that with Gene Kelly, they probably were intrigued by it because Gene Kelly and his dancing was different than other dancers because he actually had an athletic background. He played football. He, I mean, he looks like a football player. Yeah. And I actually think he wanted to be a baseball player originally, but his mother was a huge believer in the arts and pushed him to be in the arts, which is hysterical because nowadays you just don't hear a parent really no. pushing their kids in the arts. <laughs> so um, him and his uh, siblings actually were all um, dancers, I think, or at least him and his brother were, but they were also athletic. So to see him incorporate like this athletic build and, um, training into his dancing, I don't think that was really common. No. And he's, um, I think he's 37 when he makes this movie and really, I didn't know that he yeah. was that. Yeah. We know, we know plenty of people in their thirties that can move like that. Right? <laughs> Um, whereas I think Debbie Reynolds is like 19. She looks yeah. so freaking young in this movie. Um, anyway, well, well, I guess we'll get to that though. We, though we are right there. This is after the premiere that opens the movie, he gets mobbed by his fans and the car breaks down and jumps into her car. And in yeah. another scene where it's like, oh, he just wants to show off that he's like doing his own stunts where he jumps onto a moving trolley and then into a thing. I don't know if he's actually doing his own stunts, but it just seems like an unnecessary yeah stunt performance it was a little unnecessary <laughs> just to get into a different car well from i was a car. laughing too i was actually laughing too i'm funny i'm glad you brought this up because he jumps from the car onto the trolley but the trolley is kind of stagnant and just stays where like the fan base is so it's like what purpose was that dude what purpose was that to jump into that trolley when you're so should be going into the other direction i don't know i thought the choreography was a little strange it's just like, you know, if you go to Hollywood, you can see any of the major stars jumping on trolleys. Totally. To days, yeah. Totally. Oh, God. It's, it's crazy. They, they shut down traffic for miles, just stars jumping on trolleys and from yeah. vehicle to vehicle. Not crazy. one police officer in sight or yeah. like. Or if there is, he's like friends with him. <laughs> <laughs> so this, yeah. yeah, so this is our intro to Debbie Reynolds is Kathy Selden. And uh, yeah, she's great in this movie, too. She is this the movie that kind of made her Debbie Reynolds? I assume so, but I 
I'll, I'll edit it. I'll look it up when I'm editing this, and if I'm wrong, I'll edit this out. Okay. But yeah, what a what a like Star is Born kind of performance. It's about someone being discovered and becoming a star. And well, I mean, she's a teenager when she makes this, so <laughs> she was. I almost didn't recognize her, to be honest. I it's like you almost like I forgot it was Debbie movie, Reynolds. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she's fantastic, and she's doing all the dancing that they're doing, but in heels. The you know. The, the Ginger Rogers thing is she did everything Fred Astaire did, but backwards in heels. Yep. Um, say, same deal. Apparently, it doesn't sound super fun working for... Uh, so Gene Kelly co-directs this movie and does choreography, obviously. And uh, apparently, it was quite the the drill sergeant with, with, the, with the choreography scenes. So Yeah, I heard he wasn't the greatest to work with. No, I'd imagine not. <laughs> but... Oh, well, um, that's, you know, old Hollywood. Yay. But uh, she, not even that old, 50s Hollywood. But it was really, I mean, it was what was cool, though, was to see her matched up against someone who has that much experience now, knowing the age difference between the two and, uh, and just the experience itself. And she was right there with him the whole time. So I thought that was really, that's really cool, Um and it was really great to watch too. I mean, they're when they're in the car too, I thought their banter <laughs> towards one another was I don't know. I thought it was funny, it was light, it was seamless. And uh the sometimes I feel like acting from the 50s, not that it's bad, but it is very like there's not a lot of depth to it sometimes compared to like some of the acting that you would see now. Mm -hmm. But I thought Demi Reynolds was kind of advanced even just like for this yeah. lighthearted film i don't yeah. know it's There's a lot she's doing a lot of stuff with just you know suggestion and her like facial movements and stuff yeah. and and i mean part of the the text of the movie is that um gene kelly isn't a good actor anyway so i guess you can sort of like use that as a as a thing not gene kelly himself but you know don is his name's Don, right? Don, Don yeah. yeah. Don Lockwood. Don Lockwood. Great name. Um, is that Don is sort of like only a silent film guy, but if he's actually talking, he kind of sounds goofy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he is pretty goofy. It is super goofy, which we'll definitely get to that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so. Pre uh, preview, but. So they have the great discussion about how, you know, film acting is dumb and no one cares about movies and yep. you just do a whole lot of nothing up there on screen. And, and meanwhile, she's a stage performer and, um, believes that like stage performance is so different because like you're actually using words and texts from great writers. Yep. And that is the definition of a true and meaningful actor. Yep. And so, if, you're, if you're wondering if all of those discussions are almost word for word in Babylon, they are. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Now I really got to see Babylon. Yeah. Um, Don't bring your kids. <laughs> noted. Um, yeah. And you can totally see though in the car that like Don's ego just immediately gets crushed by her, uh, which was pretty satisfying to watch because mm -hmm. from the get go, you're kind of like this guy's, you know, egotistical Bring yeah. him down. <laughs> and and I love that it seems to be ending on a, a note where he at least thinks that he has sort of an upper hand, but then his jacket's stuck in the door. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Classic. Uh, and then, yeah, they're at the party, and she's one of the, uh, what do they say, the the floor show dancers? Yeah. Yeah. Great scene, too. Yeah, also really great. Um, where she just looks, like, really annoyed, but is still trying to perform. And performs well. Like, she was the one that popped out of the cake, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
And um, yeah, I feel like that's that whole scene is just like classic, almost vaudeville looking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's one of the scenes in this movie that has the old sort of like um, not quite Busby Berk- B- Berkeley uh, level production stuff, but when you think of like the musicals from the '30s, the exactly. huge amounts of mostly women doing like line dance, pretty much. So. Yeah, with a lot of leg, um, huge, a lot of leg, uh, huge hats. Although this, I don't think they had huge hats in this one, but it's still like very flashy yeah. costume mm-hmm. looking, and they all look the same. They had small hats. This one they. Had small hats but they all look the exact same um in this uh in this number so yeah i thought the the number itself was really great and i feel like things kind of just kept moving right from the scene where don was like hey it's that girl um she really got to me i want to talk to her and then here comes lena lamont who for those who haven't seen it, it's just, she looks like Marilyn Monroe, honestly. Like you look at her and you're like beautiful blonde bombshell. And then she starts talking and you're like, wow, this is just atrocious. This yeah, isn't just match. Atrocious, no, <laughs> no, no, no. So the, um, yeah. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. You keep going. Okay. Uh, and then she comes, she just, she's very jealous of this little chorus girl from the get go and like tries to break up her and, uh, Kathy and Don, even though at this point, nothing's really going on. And, um, but Don is kind of insulting Kathy and so then Kathy takes a cake and it's the classic cake smash. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of hitting Don, Don ducks and hits Lena right in the face. And uh, you can't help but laugh. Great bit. Great bit. Great bit. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. And then Lena gets her fired from her job. Um, as Donald O'Connor says, they're looking in every cake in Hollywood. To try to- <laughs> Very funny. Um, but she pops up on set later after there's a great sequence where... Don and Lena are f- starting to film the dan- the sorry not the pre dancing Cavalier uh, when it's just the whatever the dueling Cavalier yep um and they are you know like smiling at each other and looking at each other lovingly while he's telling her that she's a reptile and yeah <laughs> I loved that scene yeah. because uh, I actually thought that Lena's acting was really like yes. was really great while yes. he's just totally insulting her yeah the the actress there Jean Hagen does does get nominated for uh supporting actress at the Academy Awards that year oh. one of only two nominations for this movie wow. I know that this in uh song or score score for a musical what was but what was um Best film that year, I wonder. Hmm. Well, this wasn't even nominated. Um, so maybe I have that information. <laughs> that's really surprising. I don't know. That's kind of surprising. It was, it was a pretty modest hit when, and not even a, yeah, I guess a modest hit, I guess, when it came out. Um, but it's considered now to be pretty easily one of the best movies ever made. And yeah, probably I- the movie musical. Um, not, it's not based on an, previously existing stage thing. So this is probably like the most famous movie musical. Once and I use that qualification to, you know, disqualify West Side Story and from the discussion. Yeah. And even music scoring of a musical picture, which would actually make sense that that wouldn't be a part of the music score music category since it was kind of like a combination, it, you know, had, you know, it kind of pulled different songs from different times and 
it wasn't original, so I would understand that piece. Yeah, this year the winner was uh, well. I mean, a special effects a special effects extravaganza, greatest show on earth. A different movie from 1952 that plays a big role in a 2022 perhaps Oscar Beatty film. Greatest show on earth is uh, important to the Fablemans, to the movie about Spielberg's childhood. So there mm. you go. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So that's what wins that year. It's uh, so yeah, pretty modestly successful when it comes out, but obviously now we're doing this because it's number ten on the most recent greatest films of all time poll from Sight and Sound. Uh, the last time AFI did a top list, I think it was number five, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something like that. Um, I, I think generally thought of as the movie musical, hmm. really, and it's you know. Probably as good a pick as any. It's about movies. It's about musicals. It's yeah, really, really extremely well performed. The songs are good. I don't know. It's just, it's just good shit. And funny enough, it actually, every episode would be a lot shorter if I just went. I don't know. It's good. That's it. Got it. Um. Well, it's actually really interesting too about this one is that it's on the sight and sound. It actually beats The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Godfather's number twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There should be uh, the offer about this. Yeah, (laughs) they should. I'd be, yeah, I'd be interested to see the making of this one just because of Gene Kelly's reputation. Um, Yeah. But anyway, going back to the the plot of the film. Yeah, um, we we left off where she gets fired. Yeah. Yep. And then after he finds he finds out that she's actually on the lot on a different production. And so Don goes over and they and he watches a sequence from this other movie about, I guess, about the concept of beautiful girls. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a commercial for uh, different active wear and gowns and yeah. pajamas. Um, and she's one of the, I guess, like the chorus line or whatever that's happening here. Uh, yeah, good, good, pretty good sequence. A lot of shine for whoever that particular dude is that's, like, the lead of that. Yeah. Who, you know, yeah, who, like, I never um, did not recognize him, but it was solid. It was, um, and then, yeah, and then Kathy gets pulled out. Who's, who starts talking to her? It's the, um, is it RF? Yeah, RF, who is the studio head who, who wants to put her in more things because she's popping. That's right. And then she's like, oh, I ought to just tell you right now I, you know, threw a cake and et cetera. And you're going to get me fired. And Yeah, that's right. And then Don Don's was like, just no. like, no, 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 don't worry about it. You're cool. You're cool. Yeah, you're, you're, it's all good. Um, so essentially she starts hanging out with Don more. Yeah, it's like nothing really clear about like what she's doing work-wise, but is that <laughs> she's more just recognized for her work. Yeah. And then She's, go hang out with Don. <laughs> it's it's more that RF is like, we're going to put you in stuff once you finish your obligations to this movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so I, I suppose in the background, she's still working as sort of a like backup in those, but is is prepping in some nebulous, vague way that they don't really care that much about in the movie. Yeah. Well, because then pretty soon after, like her and Don are like yeah. talking about like, 
how they're attracted to each other. Yeah. But basically, like, that from that scene, they go outside and then he tells her all that and then they're just together for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and she also tells him too that turns out she's actually been following, like she loves his career, like yeah. which was like total opposite of what she said in the beginning of the movie in the car. So then that's a really, that's actually a really famous number when he they're in the studio and he's singing that song to her on the ladder. Yeah, that's that's cool. And they put the background up and the lights on. Yeah. Like, oh, the magic of movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, actually a famous, that's actually the scene that's played in what is that movie with Anne Hathaway and Robert De Niro? The Intern. The Intern? Yep. I've never seen The Intern. It's so, I, so I couldn't help you until the decarrier. Good movie, but um, that scene is actually played during like a pretty big moment in The Intern. Um, so that's actually how I, I recognized the scene was from the intern. Uh, I was like, why does this look familiar? Um, so anyway, solid number. And then uh, the jazz singer is announced. Yeah, I was going to say, we actually, so the reason that the she's in the place doing the thing with the guy singing about beautiful girls is because that's, I guess, one of the first productions that we see at least to that extent, where there's sound. Because at the party at RF's house, he shows them a talking picture. And so it's the it's the new hotness. Everything needs to be a talking picture. So the, They call it a talkie. A talkie. So yeah, I, I think that's what happens, right? Is they're yeah. doing the scene where th- at the Dueling Cavalier, they're fighting with each other, but look happy on camera. And then RF comes in and says, shut everything down because we got to switch this to a talkie. Yeah. Also, Kathy Sullivan's on the lot. Okay, now we're where we're supposed to be. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, we missed something. Yeah. Um, so then all the talking stuff happens. So the talking stuff happens, and um, so now we're in the Dueling Cavalier movie starring Don Lockwood and leading lady Lena Lamont, and um, they're figuring out the mic situation, and Lena is just not getting it. They're putting mics in bushes, and she's not facing the mic they put it on a number her dress. of great scenes and totally classic really loves that my favorite part was when they finally figured out that they can't put it they put it on her chest but they could hear her heartbeat in it so then they put it on like the side of her neck on the collar and the wire the director keeps talking about the wire, the wire, the wire is connected. And then RF comes in and he's like, this wire is a hazard, pulls the wire. And Lena Lamont just like falls flat on her face. It's, yeah. it's, I don't it's know, great, it's great so setup funny. and payoff that the guy keeps talking about this. that goes through this wire. <laughs> they put it on a wax record <laughs> and he keeps talking about the wire. Yeah, that's. That I, don't know, I was belly laughing. I thought that was so funny. The director was funny too. Um, it's really just extremely I guess simple, but so effective. The comedy of just, you know, she's not facing the mic and sometimes she is. So they're getting every other word. Yep. And then the ultimate payoff to that scene is where they actually go to the sneak preview of it. And it's just plays as comedy. Everyone finds it so stupid. Well, because the, the first of all, the writing is terrible. The writing's terrible. Um, and you, start- you, see, you see in the previous scene that Don asked if he could switch his lines to just the I love you, I love you, I love you thing. <laughs> yep. And and actually during before the preview too, Don and Lena have diction coaches. And yeah. um the diction coaches were also hysterical. Totally a my fair lady kind of feel. Yes. Um yeah, they, they they do a quick Pygmalion right there. Yep, totally. And doesn't work. It does not work at all, even though the 
addiction coach with Don and his friend Cosmo, who we like have not talked about at all. But Cosmo, no, we haven't. Um, but Cosmo's really cool. Yeah. Uh, Don and Cosmo go back. He's, he was part of the fiddle vaudeville's times. And he's, his career has also grown. But anyway, the addiction, the scene with the addiction coach, um, where they kind of just like ramble off. Moses supposes, yeah, and they yeah. just they just really, you know, bamboozle the addiction coach. I guess, yeah. You know that scene's awesome. <laughs> also, totally classic. And then, so anyway, then we go to the preview. Totally a disaster. People yeah. are just ripping it apart. Um, and then we cut to Don's house. Yes. After the premiere, they go to Don's house and realize after some hours of talking that it's now technically morning. Good morning. Yeah. And they do, um, you know, that song, which is, again, a song that existed outside of the movie, but is this is the version you think of if you ever think of this song. You think of Debbie Reynolds. Cause yeah, it, you think of Debbie Reynolds. Too. I just, yeah. As soon as she started singing, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, that's right. This song. Yeah. And um, it's great. It's another great sequence. And, you know, they're dancing up and down staircases and she's doing it in heels. And you're like, oh, that must fucking suck. And apparently it did. Apparently it did. <laughs> I also, what was interesting is that their raincoat colors did not match. No. Yeah. Which, you can tell them apart, I guess. Um, I was going to say that. I'm like, oh, they must have had to, like, do that to tell them apart. Um, but I thought that number was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You're in just bangers territory here because this is that's their sort of triumphant moment when they decide to change um, it's that at the end of that, they're like, oh, why can't we, you know, it'd be great if I could just do that. And then people would like it. And they're like, why don't you just do that? And they decide to pitch to the studio that they should change it to the dancing cavalier. Yep. And, um, which the name is, the name is kind of bad, but it, it works. is kind of bad. Um, and that leads to a bunch of other things, meaning this, the section we already talked about is when he's pitching what's going to happen. And they do the Broadway rhythm thing, but in between, there's a, a little a little number called "Singing in the Rain." <laughs> oh yeah, that number. Yeah. Um, where after yeah after they like come up with this brilliant idea, um, Don brings Kathy home, and at this point, you definitely like see that they are a couple, like totally natural. Uh, the, the movie does not make it a big deal, and no. but then the whole number uh is like a ten minute number of him singing "Dancing in the Rain." Yes. Um, singing in the rain, not dancing in the rain. He's dancing in the rain and singing in the rain. To be fair, he is singing and dancing <laughs> in the rain. Um, so this is just, again, this song already existed, but the, the, you know, the power of something like this to recontextualize. Yeah. Um, there's a couple moments from this movie and I've been just saving this because I'm not sure when to put it in, but it's, it's it's impossible to hold it back any longer. There used to be a ride at MGM Studios, now uh, Disney Hollywood Studios. It was MGM. What do you know? In in Disney World, this the park that's now Hollywood Studios used to be Disney MGM. Um, the great movie ride that has um, you in a car that goes through all these scenes from famous movies. And oh, yeah. some of them are interactive. Some of them aren't. I think one of the very first things you see is a model of Gene Kelly on a lamppost. Yes. With, I think, an endless stream of water pouring on him. Um, and my, my sister noted the opening to that ride is you're like in a car and then all these signs light up around you and it's like this beginning of the Broadway rhythm section where he's in the dark and it zooms out and then all the different marquees light up. 
Um, there's also a video that plays when you're in line for that ride, which uh, no longer exists. Sorry. Um, the ride was closed and uh, we... I'm too into theme parks. We don't have to go down this rabbit hole too far. <laughs> the video when you were in line has scenes from like, you know, Hollywood movies that will, it, if you're a kid and don't know the things that are going to be on the ride, here's clips from those movies. And yeah. so there was clips from singing in the rain and that. And so that's the first time I saw anything from singing in the rain was in Disney waiting in line for the great movie ride. And then on the great movie ride. That's awesome. Yeah. Just uh, him saying, gotta dance was, was one, oh, like love a, it. you know, part of that video. Okay. Anyway, singing in the rain se- sequence here, just the most iconic one from this movie that has at least a few iconic sequences. Yep. And uh, I don't know, just sort of like a virtuosic here's, you know, Gene Kelly directing this. I don't know if I mentioned before, co-directed with Stanley Donan. And you just figure Gene Kelly's like, oh, this is me. Like, everyone clear out. I'm going to ISO. Um, and I'm just going to do this thing. And this is just a great scene. As someone who hadn't seen the movie before, you were at least aware of this part, I'm assuming. Yeah. And it's, I yeah, it's just Gene Kelly doing his thing. And the whole time, it's just butter. It's so yeah. smooth. It's so yeah. elegant. <laughs> and it's not even just his dancing. His Also, his singing is I mean, it's just, it's timeless. It's totally timeless. And he makes stomping in the rain look easy and fun. Like It makes you want to get an umbrella and go dancing in the rain. Yeah. There's a lot of moments, especially Gene Kelly. He's such like a, you know, a muscular dude. Is like a lot of power to what he's doing, but he's always smiling. He always looks happy. Yeah. Um, And you're just like, wow, that's, uh, that probably, you like, like dancing up, you know, a staircase probably is really difficult yeah. and hard. And so many of these takes are really long takes. They're not cutting. So, you know, they did all this in one shot Yeah. and how many times do they have to try to get this right? And, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, it's freaking magic. It's, it's so good. <laughs> it's yeah, it's magic. And, and again, like just a shout out to him being an athlete. It's just, you don't, you don't see that that much unless you're going to see people on stage because people who are on stage do that eight times a week. Right. Yeah. But seeing it in seeing it in a movie where like again, like you said, you see it they had to keep doing that over and over and over again to get this perfect scene. And yeah, he looks like he's having the time of his life. And he makes it so easy. Like I Yeah. This is uh so good. Yeah, he's doing a great job, obviously. And then you just like, I don't know. You just think of everything that went into it. They're just pouring water on him, pouring water on the set. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the camera moves in a really good way. And this is the thing with movies today, even when there is dancing in movies today, it's not usually like, when I say dancing movies today, I guess I'm thinking a lot about cats where they're just not letting you see the choreography ever. Pretty much. It's just doing so much cutting and there's close ups, and you just like, I don't know, this isn't, it's not boring shot composition here, but you see everything that Gene Kelly's doing. Yeah. And, and the, I think my, the, my favorite part, honestly, is the end where, you know, like you said, they're pouring water on him. He's, probably drenched and you can't even tell in the movie that he's drenched but he's drenched and then he just turns to the police officer and just sings so casually like yep not affected by how wet i am right now (laughs) i'm just gonna keep walking in the rain and it's all good in the rain um he walks away but my scissor 
very, very happy with the way that people in musicals walk with, you know, his crazy arms going. With like the scarecrow and Wizard yeah, of Oz kind of style. She literally <laughs> said like the scarecrow and Wizard of Oz. Uh, he gives his umbrella to the guy who's walking by. The guy's like stoked to get an umbrella. Yeah. Guess he um, forgot his at home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those scenes where you're, you know, you look back and you're like, wow, it must have been a really happy time back then. And the, I mean, the movies just to have that magic. Yeah. Where just for a moment, you're like, wow. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah, and it is. It does capture the feeling and like, oh, you know, singing in the rain. Like, yeah, it's, it's raining, but this guy's so happy it doesn't matter. Yep. I know it's like a basic read on it, but it's it. it, it what you see that, is you what know? you get. Yeah, and it is like again, it's like pretty cornball, but it's like you know, it's so good that it doesn't matter that it's corny. Yeah, I think you have to watching this movie. You have to accept that it's really corny. I think once you accept that it's really corny and don't be uncomfortable by how corny it is, yeah. you actually learn to appreciate it. Yeah, get over yourself. Kinda. Kinda. <laughs> if you don't like there, There's it, a reason it's near the top of all these best of all time lists. Yeah, that's what's kind of funny. It's like it's not even just like a movie of like, oh, back then, like, good job. Pat on the pat on the head, like, oh, they made a really good film back then. It's like, no, it actually d- stands out as a really wonderful film. Yeah, absolutely. So, I uh yeah, I love this movie. So anyway, that's probably still about, I don't know, 30 minutes left in the movie after that? Something like that? About, yeah. I mean, at this point, too, they're just... Actually, probably more because they still have the whole Broadway rhythm section. So Which is like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so like at this point, then they just go right into the Dancing Cavalier and just like making it into a musical... Um, with yeah, RF agrees. It's a great idea, and and the uh, gives Cosmo a raise. And the pitch is that they're going to dub Lena's voice with Kathy's voice. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, and they don't make that part a big deal, but they but it's like a huge like plot twist of like Kathy's going to be dubbing and Lena is going to be yep. lip syncing the whole time. She's going to do it for this one picture, and then Don and Kathy are going to go make movies together. And the big, but thing, just don't tell Lena. <laughs> exactly, but they, but they do decide to make Kathy like in like they want to put Kathy in the credits. I guess that's actually yeah. a point to, um, to make is that they yeah. say like Kathy Selden was you know the voice of uh, Lena Lamont, um, which becomes pretty popular, um, in in musicals. I mean, My Fair Lady. I wasn't. Yep. Uh, Audrey Hepburn singing. <laughs> Um, except for one, I think she did one, one scene in My Fair Lady, but, um, anyway. Yes. Uh, but then, but then, yeah, it's the Broadway scene and then it's right. Then I think we get right into the preview. There's a little bit of them recording it with, they, they're showing the, that's right. The image of, uh, you know, from the movie with Kathy doing the recording, but that's not like. There's not really anything dramatic happening there. They do it. They do a good job, and then they go to the premiere. Well, actually, Lena walks in at that point. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, totally. She she finds out that this is happening, and then behind their back, she sort of you know goes into her contract and finds ways that she can leverage her contract and sort of blackmail the studio into taking her name off of it, and then also is trying to convince RF that she needs to continue providing her voice for like pictures going forward. Well, she actually goes to the press too yes. and like put stories in the press of like that. She's like a voice sensation, so on and so forth. And yeah. there's, there's a clause in her contract that they're the studio is responsible for any press about her. So 
if they contradict which the the stories that she planted, then she can sue them, basically. Yeah, which every single in that scene too, she says like a, t- a ton of times. Uh, what is that like? You you must think I'm dumb. <laughs> um, and yeah, like she proves that she's not. Like she's she's uh, she's come up with a way to have leverage. Yeah, and um. Yeah, the company can't put Kathy Selden in the credits anymore. Um, and so Kathy kind of like has to be quiet about it. So then we, so after all that, we get to the preview, the preview, the movie is a sensation with the audience. Um, and then Don and Kathy are on the stage and no, no, Don and uh, Lena are on the stage and Lena says like, no, it's my turn to give a talk. It's my turn. It's mm-hmm. my turn. And Don is like, that's right. Yeah, just let, let her go. Let yeah. her go. And then she starts talking. The audience is like, WTF, that's not what we just heard. This yeah. is atrocious. Yeah. Um, so then they ask her to sing. And um, at this point, Kathy uh, was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, this is unfair for me. Because then Lena, like, makes it a point to say, like, Kathy should just be my voice all the time. She has a five-year contract with the with the studio. And so, um, so they ask her to sing. And Don, essentially, and RF and Cosmo, like, all kind of have, like, this look of, like, oh, yeah, we know what we're going to do. Yeah, yep. Don't tell Kathy anything. And... I. Uh, what's the and the, oh yeah and they're gonna and Lena's gonna quotation sing singing in the rain mm-hmm. in A flat. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they have Kathy go behind the curtain to sing while Lena limps it, lip syncs to it, and then they pull the curtain away while she's singing. Yeah, which Kathy is also like embarrassed. Which I'm like, girl, you have nothing to be embarrassed about. Why yeah. are you running away? Yeah. Um, but I. Uh, yeah, so then Lena, like the audience is laughing because then Cosmo steps into Kathy and mm-hmm. then starts singing and then really shows the audience that Lena is lip syncing. Lena runs away. Kathy starts running away. Don runs in the stage and says, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, this is the girl that is the real star. Um, And then he starts singing to her without a microphone. <laughs> yeah, well, they can hear each other. I mean, it should have good acoustics. It's a theater, right? I guess, but... It- they had condenser mics picking it up, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is, it's still musical. They got it. Yeah, I, know, I, know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yeah, um, yeah they just are, she's his lucky star and all that. And then, you know, that's pretty much the end. Yeah. And then, I think, yeah, because then it ends with them looking at a billboard of Singing in the Rain, the yep. movie. Yep, and the end, and then you, it always, you know, kind of surprises me that it just ends because I guess they they did they did the credits first. A lot of old movies sometimes do the credits first, so yeah. it zooms in on them kissing in front of the billboard. It says the end, and then it kicks you back to the menu of whatever streaming service you're watching. Yep. You're like, oh, usually like kind of like bask in the vibes of credits or something, <laughs> but not today. Um, okay, so what is your favorite sequence from the movie? Like, what's your favorite number, I guess? Um, it's a fiddle. Really? Loved All downhill it. from the first one, I guess. That and <laughs> I think... Uh, well, I think if it's a fiddle, just because I was so mesmerized by the yeah. the um, the artistry behind it. 
Yeah. And I just, I, you don't see anything like it, like we were talking no. about. So I, I loved that number. And I think I also loved how much my daughter loved it. It was just, oh, that was like, yeah. I was like, because Anne loves dancing. She loves watching ballet and stuff. So I think seeing her get enthralled, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. It was just, a, it was kind of a cool moment for me. Um, Absolutely. This is, um, you know, one of the movies that people talk about, like, oh, I remember the first time I saw Singing exactly. in the Rain. Exactly. So, so yes, for it to be like, the first number that comes up, you're like, boom, here's this like, you know, lightning bolt of energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what's funny is that my mother-in-law actually showed Anne the Gene Kelly number of singing in the rain, but mm-hmm. we didn't get to it. I didn't get to it with her. Um, it was actually the next number and I had to shut it off for bedtime. But um, so close next time I was like, dang it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that was just really cool for me to watch um, for, for other reasons. And then, I really loved Good Morning. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I just, yeah, I loved Good Morning. I think, I think just seeing the three of them um, work together on a number that like a lot of people know. It is one of the few moments where there is like a fun hangout vibe too, because because usually yeah. they're working, they're on set, they're recording something. Yeah, um, but that is them just sort of like hanging out. And you're like, oh yeah, they're they're good friends. Yeah. So they're just exactly. having a fun time. Yeah. They're just commiserating with Don that his career's over, maybe. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just having a couple of sandwiches. Yeah. Um We didn't talk about it at the time, which is fine with me, because I knew I wanted to talk about it anyway. Probably my favorite sequence is make them laugh. I mean, what it's just yeah. speaking of virtuosic performances, uh Donald O'Connell plays who plays Cosmo. Um, this is like a very foundational um, thing for a lot of comedians and comic actors is the make them laugh number here. I think when Joseph Gordon-Levitt hosted SNL, his monologue was he just did make them laugh. Uh, I don't know if he did the flips at the end though. Um, but yeah, just, it just, I don't know. There's not a ton to say about it. It's just you know, like the best comic performance committed to film. It, re- it really is. I will say that I was so impressed by his the facial expressions um are so particular each one is different uh each one is super expressive and each one is quick like it you just don't that's another thing you just don't really see that much on screen anymore yeah. is someone being that quick and that expressive in their in yeah. um mu- in musical comedy I should say. Yeah, it's like, you know, 40 years before Jim Carrey, but doing like that kind of like yeah. facial stuff. But you don't say, but even like since since Jim Carrey, you don't, there's yeah. not a lot of people that can do Jim Carrey. No, to, to have like the rubber face thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. So to see it before Jim Carrey, it's like, yeah. oh, that's probably where Jim Carrey, yeah. or even Robin Williams got like. I think got, that is like a vaudeville kind of thing too. It so is. And, it makes sense that that would be a, a skill that this guy has. And then also to see Donald Connell doing it, he's just so freaking good at it. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. It's just it, so refreshing. Yeah. And you think and you think about the physical comedy of just like, this dude is literally killing himself for a laugh pretty much. He's just like running into doors. Yeah. And, and it makes me think of like everyone from Jim Carrey to Chris Farley to Johnny Knoxville. Like yep. it's... That's all in there. <laughs> yeah, and I and again, it's like it's such a niche group of of performers that you you just don't see. So yeah. just to admire on screen, um, yeah, I, that was a really really fantastic number. Yeah, 
Man, yeah, cool movie. Good stuff in there. And then, yeah, I mean, and then obviously Singing in the Rain is great. I do love the Broadway rhythm sequence just because it, it comes out of nowhere. Sid Charisse is like pretty prominent on the poster for this movie, like the name, because yeah. she was a name at the time. And she doesn't have any lines. She just shows up and does some dancing in here. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, actually, um, with that number, I think the church actually like reprimanded the movie because of that number too hot I too guess. hot at the time which like <laughs> it's not uh nowhere near what we see today i mean it's it's a fantastic number but i would have not considered that like a yeah like a uh a damaging experience yeah. they didn't like how those vaguely organized crime guys were flipping those coins in time to the music um yeah but I think the only reason why I would say it was not my favorite number is because it brought me back to White Christmas and I loved yeah. the number from White Christmas and it just reminded me so much of it. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's my favorite number, but I just think it's such a cool vibe and it is a very cool it, vibe. It's just like a real like you guys ain't seen nothing yet. This isn't related to the movies, but I have a really cool idea for yeah. uh for a, a sequence we can put in here that's just gonna like, you know, be a show stopping. Yeah. Like fifteen minute like dance sequence, pretty I did much. Love in it, the um the different chorus girls numbers on like and yeah. how um the, the yeah the progression yeah from into respectability, cool. I guess. Yeah, I thought that was um I was thinking like oh my god all yeah. those costume changes and going back on stage and yeah. doing that number again the number of takes for that, um but yeah I th I. It was a very, very, very cool number. Um, definitely in art unto itself. But I, yeah, I, the only reason why I didn't think it was my favorite is because it reminded me a little bit of just like visually of White Christmas. That makes sense. I hear you on that. There's um, so many good sequences in this movie that it is a little hard to pick. But it's yeah. So, uh, so good. So, why haven't you seen this movie before? <laughs> The last couple of days. Um, I don't know, to be honest. And it's funny. I come from a musical family and like people who love theater. So I'm, I was a little surprised, but I think it just wasn't, I feel like it just fit. There are just some musicals and movies that were more popular, I guess, in my household, like West Side Stories, sure. Sound and Music. I mean, I didn't watch this growing up either, but I'd, watched, I'd seen okay. Sound of Music probably like seven times before I saw yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> I think there were just other musicals on film that were more prominent. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like West Side Story wasn't yeah. as popular in my house, but we did watch it. And it's one. Same. it's my favorite musical. So like, I think I kind of like that's one. Sound of Music. Obvious for obvious reasons, it was on TV like every Thanksgiving alongside Godfather. It is on TV all the time. Um, or it, it was then at least. When you're growing up, yeah. And My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn. It feels like that was on TV a lot too, because I've definitely yeah. seen that fully at least a couple times, and have never actually like queued it up and watched it. I've just yeah, and it's not all the even pieces. my favorite one, but it's just it's I, fun. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine, but um. I also went through an Audrey Hepburn phase, so I think that like sense. I think that it kind of stuck out more. I'm trying to think of other musicals from like those between the 50s and 60s that on film that were more popular. And so I think Singing in the Rain kind of took a backseat. Um, 
I think um, it's it's hard to remember, but we were at the mercy of a lot of just what was on TV back in the day, too. And I don't think I've ever seen this on TV, um, despite the fact that it is like the movie musical, I think is what I've said before. Um, yeah, I'm actually looking up from 1950. Um, yeah, because there's also the American in Paris, which I actually haven't seen, but there's also Meet Me in St. Louis. Um yeah. And, and I think like you already said, it's it's really West Side Story is is the big thing that comes out 10 years after after this movie. And I think both of them play really well now as a lot of really vibrant, bright colors, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you know what the other one is? Um, well, Wizard of Oz is 30s. I think. Yeah. But, this, <laughs> but it's also Mary Poppins. Yeah. Mary Poppins is 64. A, a lot of them came out in the 60s. Um so I think the sixties, just like hello, Dolly, funny girl. Those are all. Yeah. It takes off then for sure. Yeah. So I think that it was just one that, um, yeah, I think it was just one that people didn't really talk about, but I always knew about the number in like, like the number of singing in the rain and stuff. So, mm -hmm. but yeah. So you didn't see it either until when did you see it? College. Now what made you want to watch it? Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I had to watch it for school. Ah, okay. <laughs> so this is, uh, again, a movie that I hadn't seen until I was in a class that had like a screening of it. And, um, and I think there was a lot of other 19 year olds in that class with me that were like, that actually fucking rocked. Like that was really good. <laughs> like you get to the first, you know, the opening and it's, it's like the gossip columnist doing, live commentary of the red carpet and you're like, Oh, this is kind of going to just be like, uh, you know, Hollywood congratulating itself. And it's once Don starts talking about his backstory, it's just immediately undercutting everything and just like showing you that this is all bullshit. And you're like, Oh, this is actually probably pretty, pretty rad. And it turns out, yes, it is. It's, it's, it's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny that you had to watch it for school. Yep. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, I'm glad I did. I've watched it since then too. And it's, really good so um yeah are, are you happy that you finally yeah this one off the list yeah i'm i'm really really happy thank you for uh the recommendation putting no, me on the spot to watch it no worries because it's definitely one that i would say if i wasn't for this podcast i don't think i would have watched it still yeah. it's like on this list of like oh i'll get to it one day and then you never do yeah absolutely it would have been one of those did you do musicals in school ever yeah yeah. Yeah, I was in drama. Yeah. Any like we did West Side Story at this at our school. Okay. Um, but did you do anything that's like was also a movie? <laughs> uh Santa Music. Oh, okay. Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. Uh Jesus Christ Superstar is my first one. Uh Santa Music. Is that just required it's staying? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> But, um, it's like the, it just re, re, uh, alternates Jesus between that and Godspell. Christ. No, <laughs> it's funny that we they did pick two like religious movie uh, like themed musicals, but that was not a requirement. Yeah, um, I can't remember what we did junior year, and that's really gonna bug me. And then anything goes was another, but anything okay. goes was not uh, is not a movie, right? No, I don't think so. Not that I know. That's surprising, actually. Yeah. Um. Okay. Cool. I'm really. Really annoyed. I can't remember what we did junior year. Oh, we didn't mention Greece. Obviously, Greece is a big one. Of course. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I feel really silly. We didn't mention Greece. Yep. <laughs> Oops. But yeah. 
so yeah, did did a ton of musicals and then did more in college. Yeah. Nice. Anything anything good? <laughs> anything I'd know? Um do you like Pippin? <laughs> I'm I'm neutral on Pippin. But yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of, of people Pippin. are. Yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh I feel like that's the one that stands out. I did more opera in college than musical theater at that okay, point. Gotcha. So Gotcha. So yeah. Mm. There's a lot of opera in Citizen Kane. We could have used the last episode. God dang it. <laughs> <laughs> what which opera, if you don't mind me asking? It's when they make up for the musical. For the uh, for the movie. Okay. It's not a musical, but there's a sequence where one of the characters has to do an opera that she doesn't want to do. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't seen Citizens Kane, so. Oh, it's good. You should check it out. I will for the podcast. <laughs> true. Um, yeah, anyway, we have to rate this movie. Um, it, this whole month, it's going to feel kind of dumb rating these movies since we've given really high scores to Marvel movies on this podcast. <laughs> but that putting that aside on a scale of 0.5 to 5 on any scale of your choosing later to be uploaded to our letterboxd account what would you give this movie singing in the rain okay uh, oh god um five coins five coins yeah and if you see the movie you know why i said coins yeah coins is good um i'll give it five five toeses that are not roses I'm sticking with that. Perfect. Thank, thanks for being on. I don't know. Is there anything else we want to say about Singing in the Rain? We went through all my notes. Yeah. No, we went through mine. I just, I feel like uh, for those who haven't seen it, give it a chance. Just give it a chance. Yeah. It's it's not, it's not under two hours. It doesn't take, and it does not take that much willpower to watch it. No. And it is, I mean, just because it's so influential, it's so important to cinema history doesn't mean it's boring doesn't mean it's stuffy it's it's fun like we said it's if it's anything it's corny but not like in an overbearingly corny way exactly just like in a fun way you know it's got yeah it does some dad jokes he said you know call me a cab find your cab yep uh, yeah, that stuff like that it's so good very funny it's a light watch but doesn't mean it's not you know important i don't know what i'm trying to say i should end the podcast martha thank you for being on thanks for having me uh if you want to find us in other podcast apps i did you're not you're fed up with the one you're currently using you can choose from stitcher spotify apple Podcasts, itunes google Podcasts, Podbeans. um you can email no at late to the movies at gmail.com you can find us on instagram and all our fun posters at late to the movies underscore podcast and you can go on our T Public site and get some merch. That's about it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>